Annihilation. Scorched Earth. I guess I can only do one word for nothing personal word of the day, and it's going to be Annihilation. As in Antonio Brown's career. It's done. Game. Set. Match. Antonio Brown makes Colin Kaepernick look like the most wanted player in the NFL. Take a look at the video. He went crazy with the cops here in Florida, because because Florida, it always happens in Florida. And he videotaped himself literally coming unglued in front of his child, swearing, using words that if I used, I'd get taken off the air. So I'm not going to use them. But it started with an N and ended with an R. He absolutely lost his mind. If you run a football team, I don't care how good he is. You are not signing him ever again. Antonio, your day in pads are over. Well, I've had a night to think about what happened with the Astros, and I didn't sleep much because I was trying to think if I were running a team still or if I were the commissioner, what would I be doing today? What would I be thinking about? And as I was going through sort of in my mind how to reconcile the punishments that were handed out, how to reconcile what Jim Crane did after the suspension of manager A.J. Hinch and president of baseball operations Jeff Luno. Lunau, Luno, he's called both. I'll call him Luno. I started thinking, what would I have done if I were them? How do I wake up today? Because they had to wake up and they had to read again the statements that they released. I want to talk about what statements, how statements happen, why they happen. So Jim Crane was very well aware that A.J. Hinch was going to be suspended for a year, as was Jeff Luno. He was also aware that he was then going to fire them because it was done in conjunction with the commissioner's office. It was planned perfectly yesterday. It was planned to happen exactly after our show, which caused the bonus pod that some of you, most of you may have downloaded, subscribed. I appreciate that. So A.J. Hinch had time to come up with a statement because what he came up with was quite a long statement, four full paragraphs. And what's interesting, I'm going to start with A.J. because people are responding to his statement as though they liked it. They appreciated the fact that he was contrite as opposed to Luno, who we're going to get to. But there's something in here that I've got to talk about. While the evidence consistently showed I didn't endorse or participate in the sign-stealing practices, I failed to stop them, and I'm deeply sorry. So that sentence is very interesting because that's how lawyers write. That's not how A.J. Hinch writes. The evidence consistently showed that I didn't endorse or participate. What that doesn't mean is that he didn't endorse or participate. What it shows is the evidence did not prove that he endorsed and participated. But here's how it works inside a major league dugout. A major league manager knows everything that's going on. There's a monitor near the dugout. There's a trash can that's being banged. I know managers who know when you spit out gum and miss the garbage can on the other side of the dugout. I know managers that know exactly what's going on in the training room while the game's going on. I know managers who know what's going on with the president and the GM during the game. There is not one major league manager who's successful, and even those who try to be successful, who can claim what we learned in law school is called ostrich in the sand defense. Is it an ostrich, Coca? I think it is. That's the animal with the long neck. You stick your head in the sand, And you say, hey, I had no idea. How can I be responsible? 
Well, the law talks about what you should have known. I'm not going to say A.J. Hinch should have known what was going on. I'm going to tell you he did know what was going on. Because reports have come out that the monitors that they used from the center field camera that were near the dugout, that would give the information in order to get it to the trash can banger, that he broke two monitors. Well, let's talk about what happens when a manager breaks one monitor. The first thing I do as team presidents is I go in, I tell him that's going to be $175, and we'll have that replaced by tomorrow. By the way, Mr. Manager, why did you do that? The manager would then tell me something. I wasn't happy with the umpire's call. I wasn't happy that we missed a sign. I wasn't happy we didn't execute a play. I had a disagreement with the player. All of those things I've heard. Do they result in temper tantrums? Rarely. Why? Because managers don't want to rebuy new monitors or any new equipment that are in the dugout. As a matter of fact, managers protect their per diem as though it is gold in the U.S. Mint. But he broke a monitor, but then the next game another monitor appeared? Did he wonder how another monitor would appear if that monitor was only being used for what I like to call nefarious activity? But then he broke the second monitor, but then a third monitor appeared. At some point you realize that breaking monitors isn't gonna matter. So A.J. Hinch, he did an entire statement and it boils down to this. Just because the evidence doesn't show that you endorsed or participated doesn't mean that you did. But AJ, you get off the hook a little bit because your old boss, your never will be boss again, and Doubtful will ever be a boss again of anyone except maybe those in his household, released a statement that in my 18 years, this is what's known as a podium statement, the Mount Everest of statements. It may be the silver medal winner of the worst statement I've ever read. I could read you all three paragraphs, but I'm going to focus on a few things. One, I accept responsibility for rules violations that occurred on my watch as president of baseball operations of the Astros. That's very nice of you, Jeff. Paragraph two, I'm not a cheater. All right, here we go. The sign-stealing initiative was not planned or directed by baseball management. The trash can banging was driven and executed by players, and the video decoding of signs originated and was executed by lower-level employees working with the bench coach. Boy, would I like to work for the Astros for Jeff Luno. He really respects his employees calling them lower-level employees, selling out the bench coach? Hey, Jeff, I'm going to say it because you didn't. The bench coach is Alex Cora. There is no bench coach in the history of baseball who does anything without the manager and general manager, president of baseball ops, knowing. It's like he was a rogue. Alex Cora was this rogue bench coach, banging trash cans, putting in center field cameras, budgeting for the center field cameras, coming up with this amazingly great way to steal signs. And Jeff Luno, you got credit for having the best home record over the course of three years? Come on, you know better. 
Here's a statement for you, Jeff, if you ever want to work in baseball again. I am mortified today because I am fully responsible for the activities that were undertaken by the Houston Astros organization, not just during the 2017 season, but ever since I joined baseball. I know very well that there was a memo sent by Commissioner Manford saying technology shouldn't be used to steal signs. Having said that, I felt that we were not gaining a competitive advantage over any other team who wasn't trying to gain that same competitive advantage over the Astros. The player moves that we made, the players that we signed and drafted and developed, those players are responsible for winning the World Series. I'm responsible for all the actions of my manager, my bench coach, and everyone else in the baseball operations department. When I discovered the fact that we were being investigated, I knew that our days of cheating were over. And instead of allowing myself to be suspended, I've decided to resign because I care more about the Houston Astros organization and about this great, great game of baseball than you'll ever realize. I am deeply sorry that I'm involved in this and that I have caused anyone to doubt the possibility that our teams were the best teams and won the World Series in 2017. I will now work tirelessly with Major League Baseball to make sure that all teams play on a level playing field and the fact that we were smart enough to come up with a system that wasn't caught until Mike Fires fears, until Mike Fires blabbed as a former player, violated every possible code, and has now made baseball realize it wasn't just the Astros, but it was other teams doing the same thing. Thank you, Jim Crane, for your support, and I apologize again. I think that would have been a far better statement for Jeff than this three-paragraph piece of absolute garbage. You think Jeff Luna has a chance to work in baseball again? Hey, it's raining. It's raining statements. So, guess who's even more upset than Jeff Lunau? The Boston Red Sox ownership. John Henry, remember John? When you were the owner of the Marlins and you loved small markets? And then you moved to the Red Sox and then you started hating small markets? And acting like a big market behemoth and throwing your money around and all your revenue? I remember. So now you're getting what's coming to you, John because you're gonna to have to make a decision. And here's what I would do if I were you. I understand that introduction may say that you don't wanna listen, but I know right now you're with Linda, your wife, you're with Major League Baseball, you're with your PR people, and you're trying to figure out what to do. Well, here's a little roadmap. Number one, fire Alex Cora. Why am I saying to fire Alex Cora? Because you know the rules, John. Get ahead of a story. Don't play catch up. Be proactive, not reactive. You know very well that Alex Cora was laid out to dry by the commissioner and by the Astros organization. You know very well that it wasn't just the Astros who were violating the rules, it was the Red Sox. You know that you won the World Series in 18 and Alex Cora was your brilliant rookie manager. You want to ask Ian Bloom what he would do? You brought him in because you fired Dave Dombrowski. You may try to convince us that you didn't fire Dave Dombrowski for any activities he knew about. 
you may try to convince me that you fired him because he was ineffective as your president of baseball ops. And I'm going to agree. It's hard when people spend your money and make mistakes. I know. I've had to answer to an owner before whose money I spent with mistakes I made. So you didn't fire Dombrowski because of that. You bring in Chaim Bloom, not because you want to cut payroll. Can you see me winking when you're listening on the podcast or watching on HQ? Of course you brought in Chaim Bloom because he has the ability to make smart decisions and actually be effective and value players in a different way than old school baseball people. But you know who Chaim Bloom wants? What every GM, I guess you call them a chief baseball officer. That's pretty fancy, John. But you know what Chaim Bloom wants? He wants his own guy. This is your perfect opportunity for Chaim to start fresh. You go to Commissioner Manford and you acknowledge and stop the investigation now. You acknowledge everything. You take the same $5 million fine. You take a loss of draft picks in 2020 and 2021. And you don't take a suspension of Alex Cora because you just let him go. Then Chaim gets to bring in anyone he wants Of course, with your permission. Of course, after you interview him. Of course, someone who will be paid what you tell Chaim he's going to be paid. I get how it works. But that's your best chance to move forward. Because in baseball, we all know what the Red Sox did. We all know what the Astros did. But guess what? It doesn't matter that you weren't the only two teams. Have you ever had a playground fight where you get in trouble with your teacher, except you were the one to react, and the person who started it totally gets off scot-free? Well, that's what's happening here. You were the last team holding the bag, and you let it happen. And by the way, John, you're going to come out and say that you don't accept this behavior. You're going to do Jim Crane. You're going to put on the reading glasses. You're going to do what Jim did, and you're going to read a statement. And it's going to be a statement of contrition that you will not. This is for you, Amanda, these glasses, by the way. They are on the air. You are going to have complete contrition You are going to say that you do not approve in any way of what the Red Sox did and you want to move forward because you represent honor and truth and integrity. And then you are going to disappear again. I'm good with it, John. Alex, I'm sorry you're taking the fall, but you know very well exactly what you did. Well, as you would imagine, players are reacting and they're reacting swiftly. Why is it that players, I I have a segment we're going to do later on, so you want to talk to Samson, but I want to talk about two player reactions specifically that have taken place. I've had a chance to text with a couple players, wondering exactly what their view was of the punishments that are being handed out, what they feel about the unfair nature of what the Astros did, whether or not the Yankees feel as though they should have won the World Series by winning the LCS. Did the Dodgers believe they should have at least one ring, maybe two? And it turns out Aaron Judge started the party. And the reason I'm going to start with Aaron Judge is he did something that made me smile. I don't even know if he realizes what he did. In 2017, as you may remember, Yankee fans, Aaron Judge won Rookie of the Year. I think he hit over 50 home runs, a record that Pete Alonso just passed. But the MVP of that season, he was the silver medalist. The gold medalist was a guy my size, not me, Jose Altuve. Yes, Jose Altuve of the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve did not win the MVP because of trash can banging. Aaron Judge sent him an Instagram in 2017 
And it went something like this. MVP, nobody more deserving than you. Congrats on an unforgettable 2017 at Jose Altuve 27. And then it was deleted. I can't confirm it was deleted yesterday. And this whole segment becomes less impactful if he deleted it like the, the second he sent it. But I'll bet you dollars to donuts that he deleted it after the Astros scandal and punishment came down. Why would Aaron Judge react that way? Is it possible that he doesn't realize that the Yankees were fined for doing the same thing in 2017? Is it possible Aaron Judge did not realize that the Yankees steal signs, that the Dodgers steal signs, that the Astros, Red Sox, on and yada and on and yada. They all do it. So are you saying that you should be the MVP? What about Logan Morrison, my old friend with the Marlins? Logan Morrison, we drafted him. It's funny because I'm on Twitter at David P. Sampson and people, uh, I used to hate Twitter and now I embrace it. I'm addicted to it. I'm on it. I'm looking at it. I'm thinking about it. I'm getting my news from it. Logan was an early adapter, and my famous line to Logan Morrison always was the same. He'd always get in trouble for things he would tweet. I'd call him into my office, or I'd go to the clubhouse and pull him aside or sit in his locker, and I'd say, hey, Logan, guess what? No one cares about your tweets from AAA. Do yourself a favor and focus on the field. Well, here we are multiple years later, and Logan is still trying to play Major League Baseball, great guy, father, husband, just a great friend. And he came out and he posted something on Instagram where he wanted to say that the Rob Manford nine-page report is straight fake news. This all started in Houston well before Alex Cora got there. He said, Joey, he meant Alex. I've made that mistake too. I was playing with Seattle in 2014, and every time we went into Houston, you would hear this banging. No one put two and two together. Seattle fans may remember we came within a game of going to the playoffs. Felix should have won a Cy Young that year, but couldn't get past Houston. Logan then went on to say that the Dodgers and Yankees better not be throwing stones because he knows for a fact they did it too. Is this a shock that Logan is coming out and saying other teams cheated and Aaron Judge is deleting tweets? None of it is a shock to me. The players are protected right now by their union. That's why no players have been disciplined. That's why Carlos Beltran, how, how great is this? For all the Mets fans here at CBS Sports HQ, I know very well that you were worried about Carlos Beltran and thinking to yourself how it is that Beltran could be involved in this just named Mets manager. But he's okay. He's not going to get in trouble because players in general cannot get in trouble. But what they are doing is going to start voicing their opinion. This is where Rob Manford and Tony Clark, the head of the union, have to sit down and iron out combined talking points. Having Aaron Judge, Logan Morrison, and all other players not on the same page is going to be a problem. And I'm not advocating that free speech goes away, so don't at me unless you want to. You can follow me first and then at me. I'm not trying to quash free speech to the players. I'm trying to organize it. That sounds sort of like a manifesto, but it's not. If I'm Major League Baseball and I'm the union, I'm focused on revenue, growing the game, asset value, player salaries. I want to make sure that fans who are paying money, sponsors who are paying money, TV networks who are paying money are focused that we are moving forward from this punishment. Not that the rules are going to change, 
but that we're moving forward from all this talk about suspensions and firings. And it's of no use to anyone when players come out on two sides. I draw your attention to Justin Verlander of the Astros. How ironic that he's the main spokesman against steroids, the main spokesman against domestic abuse, and then his closer is Roberto Hosuna. The point is that players take positions. They have a platform to do it on social media, and I agree with it. But in this case, I'm asking for education. I'm asking for the union and MLB to get together, get to players, get to management, and let's be unified in the statements that we make so that I, on nothing personal, can decode these unified statements, tell you what they really mean, but the rest of the people realize that baseball finally can move on. One of the segments I enjoy is called So You Want to Talk to Samson. That means that you first follow me at David P. Sampson. And by the way, rating is a whole thing with these podcasts. Whether you're watching on YouTube or not, download the podcast, subscribe to it, give me a five-star rating. And Debo has also asked me to tell you to ask a question in the reviews, and I'll take all those questions. I'll do a bonus podcast at the end of every month, and I'll answer all these questions. And make them sort of evergreen, which is in this business means that I could tape the show today and it will still be fresh in three weeks when it airs, as opposed to like talking about the college football championship. If I announced to you that Clemson didn't cover last night, three weeks from now, you'd say to yourself, that's old news. But if you ask a question that can last a long time, then I'm going to answer it. Then if you DM me at David P. Sampson and Tell me you want to talk to me. It's so you want to talk to Samson from the movie Half-Baked. We've got two in this show because they were too good to be true. The first one is, should players have been punished and are players culpable? I've been debating this internally and with people at CBS Sports HQ and with friends, family. Should players be punished? So let me ask you all a question. Let's say you work for a company. Let's call it CBS. And let's say that you hear from your boss and your supervisor that they want you to do something that is against the rules. It's against not the law. We're not breaking laws, but it's against the rules in terms of competing with other networks. And you're asked to do it. You know it violates your moral compass. You know that if you do it, there's a chance that you can get ahead because your network will do better at the expense of the other network. That means there'll be more ad revenue, more subscriber revenue, which means maybe you'll get paid more. Do you blindly follow? And if you do, once your employer gets caught, do you get in trouble? Are you indemnified as an employee? Indemnified means that you are not responsible for anything that happens going forward. That you are saying, I didn't do something, and even if you find out later that I did, I can't get in trouble. That's called an indemnification. Take a look at any contract you've ever signed, any lease, any agreement to buy a home or rent an apartment, any employment contract, any time you buy a car, trust me, you've signed an indemnification even when you don't know it. So should players or employees be indemnified from behavior? Here's what happened in Houston. Do you think the center field camera, which led to stealing signs, which led to the trash can banging, is that by itself a violation that merits all of this talk? No. You need players to take that information, 
use that information to know what pitch is coming, and then rake. It's way easier for a professional baseball player to hit a fastball when he knows a fastball is coming or to hit a breaking ball when he knows a breaking ball is coming. Are players culpable in the sign-stealing investigation, and should they have been punished? Yes and yes. So why weren't they? U-N-I-O-N. Let's picture we're on Sesame Street. Yoon, Yun, Union. Ever watch that when the two Muppets go at it? With the first syllable and the second syllable, Papa Tear, Puppeteer, Yoon, Yun, Union. I love it. They're totally protected by their union. There was nothing the commissioner could do. It would be an immediate grievance because it's actually very hard to prove that players paid attention to the trash can banging because they've got plausible deniability. Because even the MVP hits, let's say he does amazingly well and hits 350. Do you know that that means that 64, wait a minute, let me get my calculator. 35 hitting 350. Yes, that means that 65% of the time he did not get a hit. Does that mean he only paid attention to the trash can banging 35% of the time? Of course not. Even with the information, it does not change the outcome of a game or even an at-bat. It gives you an advantage. It's sort of the same advantage that a defense gets through shifting. It increases the odds of getting the hitter out because in the majority of the time, the hitter hits it where the defenders are positioned. Do you think that we would put defenders in a position where we didn't want to be where the hits were going? That we'd put pitchers in a position to throw a pitch that we knew had a better chance to be hit? We were using Moneyball and analytics before it was called Moneyball and analytics. What happened that changed is technology. Let me bring it even closer to you. Do you have one of those cars that has the rear-facing cam that helps you park a car or that shows you when you're going to hit another car? Does that change? It's called the backup camera. Thank you, Rube. By the way, I have a wait to see on Antonio Davis. Has he missed more than two games? Anthony, for the love of God, has he missed more than two games? So right now, my wait to see on AD is two games. If he misses another, I lose. I think with his, with his gluteus maximus, he's going to come back. Back to the rear-facing camera. Just because the technology now exists, am I more or less culpable when I back into another car in a parking lot? Let's say you've got a 16-year-old child. Are you more upset or less upset that with the improved technology, they still backed into a car. You're more upset. They had the technology to stop them from backing into a car. I'm more upset that hitters, that we have a better way to steal signs, and still players are hitting 300, 320, 340. Why are they not even hitting that well? Because they've changed to launch angle, which has nothing to do with stealing signs, It's showing that base hits don't mean as much to a game as home runs. That's why there's no stealing bases. There's no hitting and running because we're sitting on the bases waiting for the two or three run home run. Just because there's a technology advancement doesn't lessen the culpability. Players have more information, more than they've ever had. We give them binders now. It used to be that we'd only talk to a hitter. Hey, 
The following pitcher's coming in. He's got a very good slider, throws it on a 2-1 count. But look out. Sometimes he shows slider in a slider count and goes fastball. Sometimes in a fastball count, he goes slider. That was the extent of what we were able to communicate. Now we have iPads in the dugout. We have video in the dugout. We have every single at-bat of every single player against every single pitcher. But do we pay players less because they're still hitting the same 280 to 320? Of course we don't. I appreciate that question, and my answer is, you bet your patooties that these players are culpable and should have been punished. Ah, Do you know yesterday that we went through, because we had to change the whole show, that we didn't have an opportunity to talk about what is my favorite 10 minutes of the year? Oscar nominations came out. This is sort of an evergreen topic and that I was going to do it yesterday but can still do it today. And boy, has there been a fuss. People lost their minds. I want to start by giving you the five movies you must see before the Oscars on February 9th. Start with Little Women. Little Women was nominated. Screenplay, Greta Gerwig. Best Actress. I get the name wrong and Coco won't have it because if he were the best producer in the business, he would know that I can't pronounce Sharshi Rinen, Saorsi Rinen, Sharanin Rinen. Coco would have it in my ear. Saoirse Ronan, best actress. What about Florence Pugh, best supporting? People are losing their minds that Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for best director. Calling it a huge snub. The Academy doesn't care about women. No. There were five more deserving directors. They cared about Greta enough to put her in the screenplay category. Everyone relax. The number four mover you have to see. Make sure you go out and see. Put it up there, Coca. It's right above me. You're still on Little Women. What are you searching for? It's the fourth movie in a row. You know it. The Irishman. Ay, ay, ay. I didn't give you six, Coca. He's arguing in my ear in the middle of a show. Stop arguing in the middle of a show. I'm doing a show. I did have six. No, I didn't. I'm not giving you the satisfaction. Irishman is number five. Four. Three hours. Nominated. Joe Pesci. Nominated. Al Pacino. Nominated. Director Martin Scorsese. Nominated. We reviewed it on Nothing Personal. You should see it, even though to me, too long, not all that exciting, And I don't believe that Robert De Niro is 35 years old because they couldn't fix the fact that he walks like a 75-year-old. It distracted me and it bothered me. Do you know where I'm going third, Coca? I am. Once upon a time in Hollywood. This is nominated everywhere. We had to shorten the name by going O-U-A-T-I-H. I'm not really sure why we had to shorten that. There must be a character limit in the above-shoulder camera six angle. This is a movie that's outstanding. Get onto Netflix and watch it. This got Quentin Tarantino for screenplay, for director, for picture. Brad Pitt's going to win for Best Supporting Actor. Leonardo DiCaprio is going to come in second, not win for Best Actor. It is a brilliant movie. Google and Wikipedia and learn about the Manson murders of Sharon Tate before you see the movie. And then think about the title of the movie, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time. In Hollywood. Next movie you have to see, Parasite. Haven't seen it, can't talk about it, definitely going to see it. Best Director, Best Picture. It's a foreign movie. When it won Best Picture in the Golden Globes, the director, whose name I can't pronounce, he said in English, 
Don't be scared of one inch. Now, I know what you're all thinking. My mind is not in the gutter. This is not a comment about me. I am telling you not to be scared of an inch. I'm talking about subtitles. Get your mind out of the gutter. Subtitles are one inch on the screen. A good movie makes you forget you're even reading it. Go see Parasite. And the number one movie you have to see, and it's the hardest one to see, is Joker. It led in nominations with 11 nominations. Todd Phillips, Best Director. Joaquin Phoenix will win Best Actor. Why? Because he embodied this character to the point where we thought he was psychotic. I've reviewed it on a previous show. I told you that it's tough to watch. The movie is decent, but his performance is first class and Oscar worthy. Well, on February 9th, you're going to discover that it was definitely Oscar worthy. And who are the top snubs? Why are people complaining? Jennifer, what movie do I have, Coca? I'm not talking about 1917. Move on. You should see it. I got to see it, but we're going to review it on another show. Thank you, Coca, though. I want to get to snubs first because people like snubs. Wipe that off the top of the screen. Wipe it off. Snubs. Anyone see Hustlers? People upset that Jennifer Lopez didn't get nominated. This was her moment. Number one. Jennifer Lopez wasn't all that good in this movie. Oscar Worthy was out of sight. Oscar Worthy was Selena. She did play a strong woman, and in this era where strong women characters are few and far between, so we say it's this era, the fact is she was not good enough to be in the top five of Oscar. She was nominated for other awards. That's not the Oscars. I appreciate the fact that you'd want her to come with A-Rod to the Academy Awards. I appreciate the fact that you'd want to see the dress and you'd want to get the Instagram post by A-Rod as they're getting dressed, how excited he is for A-Rod. Believe me, I get it. That'd be fun for television. This is about quality. Jennifer Lopez didn't deserve the nomination. Doesn't mean I don't love you, J-Lo. It means that I think you should already have been an Oscar winner. Two, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy's my favorite snub. Dolomite is my name was the character. He played Rudy Ray Moore, an actual real-life person who basically made these horrific movies that ended up doing really, really well back in the day in the 70s. And Eddie Murphy was terrific. He is upset and angry that he didn't get nominated, like he always is. He was nominated for Dreamgirls and was supposed to win and didn't and lost his mind. This is not about race. This is not about gender. This is about the fact that the five performance nominated were better. Jonathan Price and Two Popes beat you out of that fifth slot, in my opinion, and he was better as Pope Francis than you were as Rudy Ray Moore. Third snub that must be mentioned. Have to mention it, for me. Tara, Ed Tara Edgerton, Taron Edgerton, Rocket Man. I wanted him nominated for Best Actor. I thought he was better than Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, who won Best Actor a year ago. He got snubbed. He got shut out of Best Actor. Antonio Banderas of Pain and Glory was put in that category. I would love to have seen him. I would love to have seen Elton John. Not because they're not deserving and I wanted to see what Elton would wear to the Oscars. It's because his performance was that worthy. If you missed Rocket Man, go back and watch it. Do the double feature, Rocket Man, Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think you're going to agree with me that Rocket Man performance by Edgerton was better than Bohemian Rhapsody performance by Malik. Oscars coming up. Get to the movie theater. 
1917, by the way, you should see in the movie theater. Greta Gerwig, I did coke. Can you imagine this producer, Matthew Coca? You know what? My show, I'm taking a minute on this. Matthew Coca just said to me that I forgot to mention that Greta Gerwig was not nominated for Best Director. Were you listening? Everybody in the studio heard it. Of course I mentioned it. That was not a snub. I said there were five other worthy directors. He's now, I know Coca so well because he never likes to lose. He's going back, instead of paying attention to the next 10 minutes, he's going back to listen to the previous 20 minutes. And in his view, he can you imagine what he just put on for those of you not watching? He just wrote, Matthew Coca is the best producer out there. Give him an Oscar. Matthew, your chance of winning an Oscar is the same as my chance of dunking on a regulation hoop. You're going to need a lot of ladders. All right, I'm moving on. I got to talk about Stefanski. Do you know who Stefanski is? He's the new coach of the Cleveland Browns. Remember we said that they weren't going to hire a minority? We thought it would be Josh McDaniels. Remember when Josh McDaniels came out of the private plane with his wife and his two kids, and everyone said, oh, my God, he's going to be the new head coach? And then all of a sudden, Stefanski, it's Ed Stefanski, the former GM of the 76ers, had a son By the way, when I do this, Coca, if you're going to win the Oscar, when I'm not mentioning the first name, it means I can't remember it. So you should be saying, when I said, yes, Stefanski, the son of Ed Stefanski, you'd be saying, hey, it's Kevin. And I'd be then telling my listeners and viewers, as though I already knew it, Kevin Stefanski was named the Cleveland Browns coach. Why is this worthy of a story on nothing personal? Because two things came out that he is now denying that I guarantee you are true. The first one is, the Browns made a hire that went under the radar a couple of years ago. They hired a former baseball executive named Paul D. Podesta. Paul D. Podesta was portrayed in the movie Moneyball, not by Brad Pitt, but by Jonah Hill. He was so upset about his betrayal, he was the only real life person who did not give permission to the movie makers to use his name. So Jonah Hill's name in Moneyball is not Paul D. Podesta, but make no mistake, he's playing the character of Paul D. Podesta. Paul D. Podesta had a chance to be a GM in baseball. He was the GM of the Dodgers, ill-equipped, ill-timed, ill-prepared. Guess how that ended? Yes, with a flogging and a firing. And then he joined the Cleveland Browns. We thought it was strange when he switched sports. I didn't. I said we, they. The royal they, the royal we. Meghan Markle thought it was strange when Paul D. Podesta joined the Cleveland Browns. He's running an analytics program. So far, so good. Analytics and football, I like it. Then we heard that Paul D. Podesta will have a direct line to the sideline during games to make sure that every play that's called Every play that's run in every situation is done exactly the way the analytics department wants it to be done. I love it. It's honest. It's real. It's happening. It used to be that NFL head coaches had to be the smartest guys on the block. It turns out what's evolving in the NFL is really all you're going to need is the ability to hear and execute the play that's called to you. And this is not like an offensive coordinator calling the offense or a defensive coordinator calling the defense. Did anyone notice what was played in the national championship game for all of you who watched? A 3-1-7, anyone? Brilliant defensive strategy. That means three rushers, one linebacker, seven defensive backs. Analytics. 
But having an analytics with a direct line to the head coach, that's new because that's new to us. And then we were told that the new coach, Kevin Stefanski, would have to meet with the owner, Jimmy Haslam, every Monday. Scheduled meetings. People thought, my God, that's outrageous. What a meddling-involved owner. Not true at all. Every single head coach meets with every single owner in baseball, in basketball, in football. Every time you hear an owner say, I let my baseball people do it. I let my football people do it. I go to games and I watch and I'm a fan. I'm here to be a fan. They're lying to you. It's not a big deal at all that he'd have to meet with an owner on a Monday. That's what owners do. They second guess. Have you ever heard the expression, Monday morning quarterback? That Monday morning quarterback expression came from the fact. And don't Google this because I'm making this up right now. But I truly believe Monday morning quarterback comes from the fact that every Monday morning, we get to question everything the quarterback does. Not on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, not in the media. We're talking upper management, GMs, presidents, owners. We get to question calls that were made. Now when we're making the calls through analytics, guess what we don't get to do anymore? We don't get to question it. There's no such thing as the Monday morning quarterback. There's no second guessing. Have you noticed that in sports, a big change that's happened is that those inside sports are doing few, are having fewer and fewer questions about moves that are made on the field. In the media, we question pitching changes all the time. We question, how could you run it? Pete Carroll, you lost a Super Bowl because you decided not to run Marshawn Lynch. Marshall? Marshawn? Marshawn Lynch, you decided not to run him. You passed it. You threw an interception. We're going to Monday morning quarterback that decision. But those days are over. No more question of plays by upper-level management. So did Stefanski actually sacrifice anything to become the head coach? Is there anything he would have said no to? Do you think that Josh McDaniels said no to those things and that's why he wasn't hired? We've talked about it on this show. When you interview managers or head coaches, you start with the following question. Are you prepared to be told what to do every step of the way and execute it or else you'll be fired for cause? You don't need a nine-hour interview to ask that question. You don't need a 200-question IQ test, which some teams give their managerial candidates. All you need is to actually know people and to see if you can read that person and figure out whether that person's lying to you. Because when coaches don't work out and they get fired quickly, it's not always just lack of performance. Sometimes there can be personality clashes. Kevin Stefanski, welcome to Cleveland. Pick of the day, I didn't get my pick of the day. My pick of the day, I keep every episode in my binder here. I wanna tell you what my pick of the day was yesterday. I had Clemson plus four and a half in the national championship game. I'm so happy I won that. Clemson won the game last night. Congratulations to Clemson, the national champion. Thank you so much. Yes, I know Clemson didn't cover. So you're all welcome for not getting my pick of the day. And you're also very welcome for me getting back to the NBA. How can it be that the Bucks are only favored by 16 and a half points over the Knicks? Because the Knicks beat the Heat one time? All of a sudden, they're only getting 16 and a half against a team that likely will be playing in June and will be a world champion. This line should be 22. 
If you can do anything to get the Bucks at 16.5 or anything close to it, forget my record of 1-3-1 and one for this season because what you should know is you are about to win. Bucks 16.5 over my erstwhile favorite team. I still love you, Red Hallsman. Wait to see. Yes, we're going to wait to see a lot of things. We said yesterday we're going to wait to see that the Astros will be just as good without A.J. Hinch as they would have been good with him. Um, here's a wait to see. It's an important one. Alex Cora is going to get fired. I said it earlier in the show. That's what I would do. Now I'm going to step it up a bit, and I'm going to tell you that's exactly what will happen. John Henry's going to watch nothing personal. He's going to meet with Commissioner Rob Manford, and Alex Cora will not be managing the Boston Red Sox in 2020. Wait to see. I'm accountable. And Alex, when you watch this and you and your brother Joey get angry with me, you will remember one thing. This was always just business. It was nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.